Morning, Todd. Good morning, Nick. How's it going? Fucking good, man. <laughs> so Todd had a week off. Last week I went solo. Yeah, um, you did an episode without me. I know. And, and actually, the ratings I- went <laughs> dropped. Actually, we did pretty good last one. The the They really promoted it. I, I listened to it. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Um, it's funny because there's a lot of issues I'm having with GarageBand. I don't know what it is with GarageBand, but I struggle with it. For some reason, there's always something. So, But you re- use more complicated shit. I know, but like you'd think that GarageBand would be easier. So anyways, I did do a shout-out for you, but the part that I did the shout-out on got cut because it was just distorting and clipping. Um, but our people probably started listening to it and they're like, this is boring. And then yeah, it's went, boring. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. No, those guys are really cool. I want to meet them and, yeah, and it's, uh, it's a cool venue. see a show there. Um, I totally recommend it if you're in the Waterloo, Waterloo region. Um, I want to talk about Patreon because we're about to launch that. We just finished the page. It's about to go up. We did a video last week. Um, mm-hmm. So for all of you that are listening, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's basically you give us money, like... I don't know, a dollar, five dollars a month, whatever, you get a reward for whatever, just kind of like any other kind of crowdfunding thing. But in return, we give you content. So it's not like you're giving us one big chunk of money and then we go do something. It's like we're doing something. Yeah. And then you just kind of give us a little bit to help us do more and do better. So I can finally learn how to do use GarageBand. You know what we should do? We should we we should do another ad with one of those old guys that go to like Africa. And they're like, help these kids out. <laughs> That's funny you say that. Like, whereas you, you have a musician and it's like, they're like pandering on the sides, like for less than a cup of coffee a month. Yeah. Could, yeah. We'll send you photos of how fuck Lamont is doing. Yeah. We'll write you a letter once a month. It'll and make you, you know. feel good. You know, um, we built it well for us. <laughs> um, actually, me and Simon talked about that when we were doing the crowdfunding thing for Vintage Playground. Yeah. Um, we were talking about doing a skit like that as well. Yeah. So I think it's a common thing. But no, the video's pretty turned out pretty good. I got to use my new camera. It was pretty fun. Nice. Um, so anyways, uh, we'll put a link to that, um, and there'll be a notification on on uh, on the internets about when Patreon is up. Cool. So I want to kick Patreon! off... Patreon! Um, I want to uh, talk a little bit about vinyl this week. Because um, I was always like, okay... It's kind of a faux pas in this industry to be like against, and I'm not against vinyl, but I just never understood why it was such a big deal that it has to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny when you talk to people that grew up like maybe like in their 50s, grew up with vinyl, they're like CDs all the way. It's like vinyl was a pain in the neck, but younger people like us, yeah, um, there's kind of a, a resurgency of vinyl. And actually for the first, I think it was last year, for the first time in the UK, vinyl outsold uh, digital downloads. Yeah. Which is kind of boggled my mind a little bit. Um, what's your take on vinyl? Are you a vinyl person? Yeah, but I, I liked it for my own reasons. Like I didn't yeah. talk to anyone else who bought vinyl or CDs at that point in my life. I was like coming out of high school, yeah. and I was in love with classic rock. Part of it, the appeal for me, was the era that it represents in music. Right. For me, the best stuff came out in the 20th century. We're talking like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Those those five decades, the prime eras of new and original ideas in music. And when pop music consisted of you know, passion and and mm-hmm. shit. So like you see these movies now, more biopics are coming out and all of their hits came out on record and you the sound of um the sound of the needle hitting, the hissing is just like part of the excitement. I think it's the, yeah. it's the 
it's the ceremony of putting vinyl on and you have to be at home and you have to absorb the music and right. it's a lot warmer. It's uh, definitely, yeah, I agree with you on that. It's definitely, um, you have to dedicate time to listening to vinyl. Like that's, I mean, records, that's like the birth of the whole long playing the LP, right? Yeah. So it's like, I always like to do when I'm with some friends, if they have a record player, we'll go through their collection. You know, there's liner notes, pictures, you know, you sit down with your wine you listen to an album from beginning to end, you can't like skip as easily. So it's, yeah, yeah, totally. And but I get that. T- tell me, tell me this marks true for you too. But in, in our younger days, it might not have been vinyl for you and I, cause I had cassettes and then I had CDs mm-hmm. and then I went to, to vinyl as well as part, like in the same time that I was like downloading shit for the first time, I was collecting vinyl with my dad. That was also a thing. I liked collecting vinyl with my dad and I still do. Um, but there's, there was an era in my life, in your life, when we were younger and things like records, like tapes or CDs or like maybe magazines, before the internet was around and you could just YouTube anything, mm-hmm. just seeing a picture of the band or the, some artwork that they yeah. wanted you to see, that was that was all we had to go by. It, it didn't move. So you... You listened to the record and you were absorbing the experience with this not moving picture. So to see something on TV when they appeared like randomly, like you, you'll stumble upon an interview from a, with a classic rock artist on much music and all of a sudden they're moving Yeah, and this is wild and this is amazing to see. But now, you know, flip a few buttons and in 30 seconds you can see a moving picture of anybody. You don't even have to flip buttons anymore. Just ask Siri to pull yeah. up um, Apple music and everything's right there. Right. But yeah. There's, I agree. No, there's no tingle factor. That was kind of a thing when we were growing up, like baseball cards. Mm-hmm. Growing up, we were all about baseball. I was all about baseball cards, right? And it, Any I, cards. I, yeah, football. And I didn't X-Men. play sports. Like I wasn't, like I did, but I sucked at it. Like, yeah. but, like I still had to collect these things. And it was about getting the collection. It was about uh, like an end game kind of thing. There was an yeah. end goal I had and I wanted the whole series. I never got the whole series because we always got like triples or dupl- duplicates. But like... Yeah, and um, you, you you begged for it. You asked for it. You yeah. went over to your friend's house who had something that you didn't just to experience Yeah, the little that. checkmark thing. And, I, and vinyl's kind of like that too where you would collect it um, just to kind of have the collection more than than listen to them. I mean, you listen to it. That's but true. when I was a kid, again, like I had maybe three records that I bought. I had, my very first record was Cheryl Lewis and Bram was uh, The Elephant <laughs> Walk. Yeah. I remember that one uh, when I got that. And I listened to that one. Um, I listened to, what is another record? Alf, Burger King. They used to have like this thing where you get it. It was like a like a paper record you would put on and you'd play. And had, he played Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Yeah. I had that record. And that was it for me for, for buying records. My parents got a, a CD player in 1986. And with that, they had the Columbia House subscription. So we ended up getting like Beastie Boys. And there was like, cocktail soundtrack. So that was kind of it for me on that front. Um, But they had a record collection and I remember always going through it. And one of the fondest, not the fondest memories, but one of the most vivid memories that I remember of that record collection was um, Queen's The Great Bicycle Race. Is that the name of the album? Bicycle Race? The Bicycle Race, yeah. Yeah. And you had the fold out in the middle of all the naked women on bikes. And I remember (laughs) seeing that as a kid. And I was like, oh man, this is smut in in this record collection, right? But that's what I remember of the record. They had like... They had Quiet Riot. I remember they had the yeah, they had a lot of really good records, but I never listened to them. Right? It wasn't until after on CD that I started listening to all these things. Yeah. No matter how new or old it is, nothing looks as cool to see music on than a vinyl record. Yeah. Nothing looks as cool, and you see it spin, which which is also part of the experience. Uh, as that always was part of the experience. Yeah. You, you see it. 
you're putting the needle down, you see it start spinning. And like you're seeing the music be played almost in a way. Yeah, yeah. There's like a the, that tactile. Yeah. And cut of. Sorry. No, no, no. You. I, that's all I was gonna say. But um, no, no matter how new or old, nothing smells as good as the paper that the record is in and the vinyl, um, the case, the, the the cardboard case. Yeah, a new new vinyl. I find if you have a collection yeah. that's been sitting in somebody's, you know, if you buy like the crates now, and people are selling crates for a lot, yeah. and and records are getting expensive again because people are seeing there's kind of a need for it. But I don't know how long this is going to last because um, when I was reading the stats on the boom from last year. One of the biggest contributors to the reason why vinyl spiked was David Bowie's death. And really, I, I thought I thought it was well before that. No, you see, like it was, it was, it was growing, but it was very like compared to other sales, it wasn't that big of a thing. But um, from what I was reading, the numbers showed after David Bowie died, like the numbers skyrocketed because people started collecting vinyl, and the biggest group that's collecting vinyl right now are millennials. It's not like yeah. our parents or anybody else. And it's not, and they think a lot of it is for the collecting factor. It's not really about playing the records. It's about collecting them and yeah. and just having them, right? So, um, when you were playing a lot, did you ever think about getting any of your music cut on vinyl? I thought of, of having my last studio album be have a small pressing because Indie Pool, where I had both my my old CDs made, uh, had a outlet that they had vinyl pressed through, and then they I think they bought it or. They just have they can do mass quantities now. Something like something changed, but there was some kind of promotion, and then all kinds of fees just added up to even the most cheap pressing I could get done being ridiculously expensive. Yeah, and it wasn't worth it. But you have to get music mastered a different way for vinyl. Like mastering yeah. for vinyl means you have to push the high and low low a bit further up because it just naturally ca- catches the warmest tones first certain certain things like that um but it's it costs a lot more so you need to you need to have someone else paying for your stuff yeah and having a business plan for that you can't just want to do it for fun and if you do i hope it's worth it well then uh, i always looked at vinyls and when i when i work with clients everybody asks should i you know make a record i'm like well you can print this but if you're looking to get your money back from your investment of making a record, I wouldn't advise it. And yeah. part of the reason is because of the the time factor of of cutting vinyl. Yeah. And the machines that most of the companies up until recently, you know, are still like the original like fifty year old record cutters. So like, you know, they're still doing it the old fashioned way, which takes a lot lot of time. It's really expensive. Yeah. Um. To you have to pay for for the vinyl and all the materials. Um, so I always discouraged it, but recently I've been reading about like other companies now that are starting to like re, <coughs> they're starting to like revamp, um, old cutting, like old record duplicators and all that stuff, I guess. Um, like third man out records, uh, Jack White's, is it third man out? Something like that. Yeah. Um, they just invested in some really high tech, fancy, uh, new record machine cutter things. Mm. Um, and there's also a company called Viral Technologies. I think that's the Germany one. Um, they're made a whole different system. So they're like making vinyl machines where you have like the PVC shreds and you melt them down and it presses them. But it's right. a lot more efficient, cheaper uh-huh. to do, and quicker to do. So we might start to see this uh, more and more bands actually creating vinyl records um, f- 
for sale and actually be able to turn a profit now, which is really good. Yeah. Um, because it, you always hear about like a new facility opening up, but then you hear about another one closing down. So I still don't know like what the demand is yet actually for vinyl. Like we're yeah. a lot of people are really excited for it because like, oh, you know, vinyl's great. Yeah. Um, but even though it's on the uprise, who's to say how big of an uprise that is? Well, it's the biggest resurgence happened. Like maybe it spiked after David Bowie's death, but the biggest resurgence that happened happened early this decade. Like I've had, I've, I have a Danny Michelle album that I bought on vinyl, a Scott Cooper album. He's a singer songwriter from uh, Toronto, Pentatank Machine. Yeah, it um, would have to be after 2011, 2012 that you're talking about, because yeah. 2005 records hit an all time low. Right. Well, I mean, it, it was it was only like certain bands like the Beastie Boys maybe putting their albums still on vinyl because that's just what they right. wanted to do. And that's like their fans, right? Their fans would buy into that, would, would, would yeah. totally do that, right? And a lot of collector's editions came out. But honestly, I've seen new pressings of records in stores. Don't look, don't, don't count HMV. Like they had the biggest markups and the smallest selection. Yeah. Uh, Beat Goes Down was the next best thing that you could get from a used record store. Used record stores give a shit and will have the most of everything that you probably like. Mm. Uh, new pressings and used. And then places like The Beat Goes On have an amazing selection too. Um, <clears throat> and I'm speaking, I guess, only to Ontarians when I see The Beat Goes On or just Canadians. Yeah. But um, but more stores are starting to... That was the other kind of factor when it came to vinyl sales increasing was last year um, there was a huge increase in more storefronts starting to sell vinyl again. Yeah. And Christmas time. Christmas time people buy records for yeah. for um for presents, right? For right. gifts. But I again it's like I think people are more buying them for the collecting value and not for the playing value, right? Because Yeah, hence ordering online and lots yeah. of that stuff happening. Yeah. Um Did you ever get into Reostatics? I don't know. Reostatics is kind of a thing um from like I don't know, the early early 90s. Like if you're like 28, 29, you probably know who the real statics are. Mm -hmm. But if you are younger, not so much. Like I'm kind of on the cusp of that. Like I had friends that are crazy about the real statics. But yeah, I know some diehards, but yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't say I relate. Yeah, it's weird. Like they'll sell out the the horseshoe. That's the band that I think of when I think about the horseshoe tavern in Toronto is the real statics. Because they'll do like a three nighter sold out. Right. Um and I don't know if they do anything else. I met Tim, um, the bass player. Uh, he did. He was a sound engineer at the Woodshed, which is Blue Rodeo's studio. So I got to do a session there, and he was the guy that kind of showed me the ropes. Um, a really nice guy. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those Canadian bands that, I don't know, they're like the alt to the tragically hip. Right. All right. So uh, we had a whole rant about this about 20 minutes ago, and... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, a lot of stuff ended up on the cutting room floor, as they yeah. say. But in the didn't even make it to the cutting room floor. Didn't even make it on the hard drive. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. We were talking about the hip, and um, their hardcore fans are very passionate. Yeah. Well, I, it's some one of, of us think they're okay. I think they have some great music. You and I both love certain albums and an era of them. Yeah. I think. The hip is probably one of the main pillar. One of the, I would say, the three pillars that make up the Canadian identity, Canadiana. right? So you have tragically hip. It's like law that you have to be a hip fan. And to be honest, I am not. Um, I like older hip. During May Two Four Weekend is the only time I'll actually listen to the hip. After that, I I don't think they're that good of a band. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm sure people are like, oh, but they're the greatest fucking band ever in Canada. You're not Canadian. It's like that. Okay, that mentality. If you're saying that right now, um, that whole what's the word? Not patriot, um, patriotism kind of way of thinking is a really dangerous way of thinking. Like that's yeah. a very American way of doing things. If um, they were a great band, you wouldn't have to mention that they're Canadian as a way of saying this is why you have to like them. Yeah. So that's one pillar that I, I lots I, of shit bands are Canadian. Yeah. Um, Tim Hortons is another thing. We always hear Canadians talk about Tim Hortons. Yeah. And again, I not a Tim Hortons fan. You know, I, yeah. I don't agree with their, their, their standings. Tim Hortons actually right now to the Canadians listening out there is no longer a Canadian company. It's an American company yeah. and they're doing some pretty crazy shit right now with, um, or maybe they've done it already, but they just fired a bunch of people and they're changing and cutting back. So I can't support that. Yeah. Um, and plus I think McDonald's coffee is way better. Um, yeah. the third thing is hockey and I can't stand hockey. Can't stand it. I don't know anything about it. Um, just not a thing that I got into. Um, can't play it. Don't like it. Don't care if you like it or not. You know, um, I think with this said, some people might be like, oh, but you know, that's not Canadian. And that's, that's total rubbish. The fact that I can say this makes me, it's the reason yeah. why, you know, Canada is such a great country. Right? I, I don't love hockey, but I don't give a shit about it. Yeah. It, it's, oh, oh, hockey's happening. Oh, cool. Can I keep doing what I'm doing? All right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Plus again, like the part that we didn't record, I, uh, I, I have to laugh sometimes at, cause we've experienced it at live shows that we've played or been to, or even at, even at like events, like when it comes to the hips music, mm-hmm. just back to the hip for a second. Like I, I, I think they they're talented. I think they're a really good band. I'm not a fan. I think they're a really good band, but they're not, they don't, they, they never like amazed me or blew my mind with anything I hadn't heard from artists right. before. Not putting them down, but hip fans get so into it. They look like they're coming. <laughs> They look yeah. like like they just get lost in the song. It's like like I don't got much reason to live, but I'm coming. Yeah, I, it's, that's what they look like. They're so into it. I'm like, I'm listening to the same song. Not, it's <laughs> it's like when you watch like um, it's got a beat. like a Baptist church, right? It like becomes a religion. Like these people are creating their total their full identity around this band. Yeah. And to be honest, when I watch footage of the hit play live. I'm not that blown away. Like I, they're good players, but you know, I, I'm kind of on the fence. Is Gord Downey a genius or is he being pretentious? And I don't know. Um, sometimes where I fall, sometimes he does something kind of cool. Joe Cocker though. Joe Cocker had a similar kind of, he had, he had extreme mannerisms that, that reflected how, how much passion was going into getting the vocals out the way he wanted them represented but when i watch joe cocker sing he's tight like it's like he's not hitting wrong notes he's right. singing right notes he's just getting really really into it when he sings yeah. but it still sounds like like he's trying right, right. when i see gord down there's moments where he'll just kind of go off he's more of an experimental dramatist than a singer maybe so he's doing something else to hide the fact that he's not hitting the right notes right but with that said, it's weird because like I had an experience with Gord Downey about twelve years ago at. Um, Let's make sure we get that into the show. Yeah, so this experience was Hillside Festival. I think it was like two thousand and four, two thousand and five. It was um, 
his it wasn't the hip it was his side project and i can't remember it was like the story times or something like that or something gore downey story time i i'll i'll i won't look it up but anyways he was doing a side project and it was a really cool show because there's other bands like danny michelle at the time just left sterling and he went solo so he had like m griner on bass which was awesome luke to set on guitar i want to say it was paul brennan on drums but i could be wrong um, Danny Michelle, if you're listening, you want to straighten me out on this, that'd be great. But it really good show. That was a funny story because Luke Desette set all his guitars up on the side and the wind blew and like four of his guitars just collapsed. And I just remember both of them just like, like Danny Michelle and Luke Desette just looked at each other like, huh. And then we all went and picked up the guitars. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so back to my tragically or my Gord Downey story. We were, um, I was working main stage, so I was helping unload the gear um, on the stage, off the stage. Um, the stage manager at the time was a guy named John Halliwell. Um, he did a lot of stuff. He did like main stage with Ani DeFranco and stuff like that. And he was really, really, really good guy. Um, anyways, he, Gord Downey went on and played with, with the storybook sideshow or whatever they're called. Um, and it was a really good show. I got to watch it. It was fantastic. Um, I liked it better than actually what, what what my experiences were than watching the hip. Like it was really, really tight. He went off. We were getting ready to unload all the gear and get ready for the next band. And the audience started calling an encore. So they're going like, encore, encore. And John Halliwell goes up to Gord Downey and um, goes, if you want to do an encore, you can. Gord Downey looks at him and goes like, but you said we, we, we can't do an encore. Like, I, we can't do it. You said I can't do it. And he started to freak out about this yeah. to the point where he actually started pacing. Like he was like talking and getting angry and pacing. And like, he wasn't happy. And it was weird. The rest of the day before that, Gord Downey was like up there and loading gear and doing all this stuff. And he was very yeah. helpful. Like he was, he was a very, seemed like a very nice guy, like very part of the crew, very, very friendly. And at this point he just freaked out. And so, sorry. Did, well, just to make sure I got the white, the right quote. Like, do you remember him saying, John Halliwell saying, if you want to, you can. I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't catch oh, the whole okay. thing. Cause like, again, is like 12 years ago, right? So I'm kind of paraphrasing how the story went, but basically, okay. so while Gord's getting worked up, the band starts to go out one person at a time and right. they're, you know, getting cueing that there's an encore. And finally the band is on stage. It's me, John Halliwell and Gord Downey. Gord Downey's pacing and he seemed very, rate right he looked like he was about to hit somebody and i was like in my mind i'm like i'm the smallest guy here if he's gonna punch anybody it's probably gonna be me but he didn't he just kind of went went and then walked out and did the encore as if nothing happened it was really really surreal like it was like so maybe like back to like when i watch him perform like i want to be say he's pretentious but maybe he's just eccentric maybe that is how he is right but um maybe maybe he felt like he gave his best performance of the day and he didn't want to go out and give, like maybe he felt like he'd used the best of his voice that day, and he didn't want to leave the audience with a with a bad impression right. by going out and doing something. If he felt like, okay, my day's done, my yeah. voice is done. Unless there was a contractual thing, maybe there was a contract stated that you know he won't do an encore, and then I don't know. There, there, yeah. There's a lot of factors I don't know about, but um. Yeah. Anyways, he finished the set. Um, it was really good. And then the, I think the Tragically Hip tour bus pulled up because he was starting his Tragically Hip tour at that point. So he got in there and took off and he left. Um, I don't know if you ever, if you remember in the late nineties, there was like videos and photos and um, it must've been like the fully completely album. He, uh, there's this white jacket he always wore. It was like a white windbreaker kind of thing. Anyways, he left that behind. And I kind of had this moment of this uh, 
moral crisis. Like, do I take it and sell it on eBay, which I don't even think eBay was a thing at that right. point yet, or um, turn it in? Because, I mean, it is kind of iconic. I think he'd be kind of upset. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. But anyways, um, I ended up handing it in. I think he got the jacket back, and that's my Gore Downey story. You did the right thing, because yeah. I think you'd feel pretty shitty lately yeah. if you if you had it or it sold it. Totally. If you were the guy that sold it, Canada, Canada would come down on you. Totally. I'd be the most hated person in Canada country, would go American on your ass. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about Trump's America. I'm, yeah. not talking about, <laughs> I'm not talking about the parts that we're trying to like, you know? Right. It's like, oh, well, you know, I don't hate all Americans. I just, you know, the ones that support Trump's like, no, like, right now. But, um, yeah. What are you going to do? Gord, what are you going to do? Gord Downey's genius is over here. It's true. I mean, it's... I think the country, you know, with the news of him with, with cancer and stuff like that... It's horrible. Yeah, it, it's kind of like, you know, the the sense that the hip won't be one of our pillars anymore kind of scares us. But it's also sad that, you know, he's but going through this right now. What, the the impact that they had, their records, will always be around. No? Yeah, I hear Canada, Canada will always have that. Like, we don't have uh, the band Rush anymore. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, so they're retired now. Yeah. You know? The drummer uh, said... I can't see serve. Rush is a really funny thing because in Canada, I find it's the opposite than the hip. Like in Canada, it's like, you know, you talk to people and they're like, so, so on Rush, especially in our age. Yeah. Um, but you go anywhere else in the world, like you go to like Rio <laughs> and Rush is the shit. Like yeah. they'll sell like, you know, a 60,000 seater and they'll still do it. Like, and I wasn't a big Rush fan when I was younger, but as I get older, I find now like, you know, Tom Sawyer's on the radio. I'm going to crank that shit. Like yeah. I am really, really finding myself liking Rush more and more now than I I did when I was younger, right? Yeah. But to me, I think Rush is a much better band than Tragically Hit. Yeah. I think on all levels. Like I think they're, I it, think the lyrics that he writes can be pretentious, but it's, I think they're decent. Um, the musicianship among the band is a much tighter circle. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think the bass... Doesn't always have to stick out as much as it does. We talking I'm, about Getty Lee? I like. I get it. You're fucking good, but like, also sit in a groove once in a while. Tom Sawyer is the most mellow song that he ever did on bass because he does bass <laughs> solos all the time, and he just kills out. Yeah, but it's like boom, like you're also the singer. You don't want to leave any room to sing. But you know what? Like, oh, for for most part, I would agree with you, except for the fact that this is fucking Rush. They can do what they want. I know th- they there's can. few bands that I would be like, yeah, sing and play solos. You know, you're, you're two melodies, things going on at once. Sure, but in Rush's case, they make it work, man. Like when I listen yeah. to like like some of the like, and I think also teaching guitar, going back now and doing some some of their stuff. It's like. I like their alternate timings. Alternate times. And just the detail. Like, there's details in their recordings that you don't catch if you're not a musician. Like, it's one of those things where you look at a guitar phrase, and then he'll repeat the guitar phrase, but there's these ever so slight nuances that he changes that only I'm going to get because I know the instrument. Everybody else listening to it will just assume that he's just repeating it. Yeah. But I like those, those, I like that paying attention detail. But it, again, this is something where it only really works in that rush world. Right, mm-hmm. and I think what you're saying is one of the reasons why I didn't like Rush before because I felt it's just too much. Right, it's like this. This is kind of pretentious. But as again, as I get older, I, I find you know what? Like, but they have their they have their they do their own thing. So it's not like they're they're breaking the rules of someone else's thing. Yeah. Or if if you think of prog rock or metal as having rules, 
Well, they're not doing prog rock or doing metal. They're doing Rush. So they're they're playing by the right rules, or they're not playing by any rules. They're mm. doing Rush. Yeah. Like Rush is the, like really the, its own genre of music that only Rush will ever be able to play. Yeah. And even Rush music got too hard for Rush. Like I can't remember the album, but I think it got to a point where they had to like call it off because they're like, we're recording things we just can't play. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, well, all of the bands that we just mentioned can be found on vinyl records, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to do. I was trying to. Well done. I like how you did that. There. It was very poorly done, but I did it. That's the point. That's what you got to remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. This was. Uh, uh, yeah, so Nick and I. You just heard us. Uh, we can be found on Twitter at at Iden Nick and at Todd Donald. But definitely check out and follow our, our stuff because we want you to do that. It's uh, at Fucklamond Media. And at Fucklamond is what you follow on Twitter. We're also on Twitter and Instagram as at Fucklamond Pod, where you can just isolate just the podcast stuff. But for all of it, you go for you can just easily type in fucklamond.com and everything's there. Everything's there. More shit coming out. It's it's all exciting. I'm privy to it. I'm not the one doing the hardest work. Man, right in front of me, Nick Iden is doing. It's really not stuff. that hard. It's not that hard. I'm 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 throwing some stuff here and there. I I, I toss you some music for the uh, for yeah. Vinewood, which is coming out. Vinewood uh, comes on. out, yeah, next when when we launch Patreon. Vinewood. Oh shit! For the pilot of Vinewood, so that's gonna be fun. Um, yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. Uh, well, if you're listening to this, you probably already have a way of finding it. But tell your friends to listen to it. Tell your friends to listen to Fuck Lamont podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. You can like repost there. From uh, you can repost from SoundCloud and share it on Twitter and yeah, tell us. Listen, uh, share the shit out of us and let us know what you think. Ask us questions by tweeting at us, Instagram comments. You can fill out the comment form on fucklamond.com and uh, keep listening because we got more good stuff on the way. I've got a couple, uh, couple more indulge me episodes. Uh, conversation awesome, that's wicked. And uh, maybe like a comedy podcast. So yeah, cool. fuck. It was a great episode, Nick. Great to see you again. Yeah, great seeing you, Todd. Thanks for doing that uh, shitty episode without me. No problem. <laughs>